This is Anthem Blanchard, CEO of Numetra, and you're listening to RunToGold.com. Hello, this is Trace Mayer, and you're listening to the RunToGold.com podcast. And today I have a special guest with me, Aaron Crown. Hello, Aaron. Hey, Trace. Doing great. And you run uh, ML-Implode.com, which is uh, Mortgage Lender Implode. And that's the largest website in in the sphere, right, in regards to basically anything real estate. Yeah, it's basically the mortgage lending aspect of it. There's probably some foreclosure websites that are bigger now. <laughs> so. <laughs> right, and that's what we're going to be talking about is uh, foreclosures and how the next wave of residential foreclosures seems to be on the horizon. Uh, just like we had this tsunami uh, out in American Samoa, it takes a long time for that wave to travel. Uh, well, you know, the way I would the way I would put it is that uh, it was more like a hurricane, and we had the first side of the hurricane hit, and then they, we had we went through a rather large eye, which was time that was bought from spend and pretend that was rained down on the banks, and then we have the other wall of the hurricane that's that's starting. We had the mark to market uh, counting changes and. Uh, so we've got a lot of these bad loans that aren't being uh, written down as bad loans with the banks, and now we're having the next wave of these uh, coming. Is that yeah, kind of what you see in the market? The figures are starting to show uh, that foreclosures are back to exceeding where they were at the, the worst of the foreclosure wave last year, which throughout most of the country was basically postponed with moratoria. They extended the foreclosure process in California, which put a big dent in the the numbers that were going through on a monthly basis. And that is back to or actually above where it was before. I don't have the numbers handy, but it it has exceeded the the previous high. I believe the latest data is another uh, 7% increase or so uh, month over month. So another record high. So foreclosures have started again. And the question to ask is why? You know, I thought it didn't subprime already pass. And, and it did. It did pass. But the problem is subprime was not the only subprime, uh, which is to say that the loans were actually called subprime, which didn't even used to be a bad word, became a bad word. But they're not the only garbage loans that are that are just as risky, just as toxic. There's a whole universe of Alt-A loans, which were uh, people with higher credit scores, but uh, the loans had other properties that made them risky. And there was pay option arm loans where you could Pick a payment that would actually cause your balance to increase, and that's what most people did. And there are even prime loans that they basically had, uh, you know, gold-plated qualities. But the problem is that you had a job yesterday doesn't mean you'll have a job tomorrow, especially in this economy. So uh, delinquencies and defaults are rising even on those. So that that is starting to hit now, and hit in a pretty big way. And uh, the modeling I've seen suggests that that will continue. At a high level, uh, probably increasing somewhat in terms of foreclosures for the next next two years at least. Oh man, this is just really turning into a pretty bad hurricane because I think I, I was reading one of the headlines about unemployment and how only you know half a million people lost their jobs and so the percentage of jobs lost was down. And I was like, well, of course it's down after you've lost how many millions of jobs. Uh, of course, when you when you lose the same nominal number, the the percent's going to be down. And so now we're starting to see this uh, unemployment cut into the real middle class of America. It sounds like the the people who are for the most part responsible with their finances, they're now finding themselves unable to make their mortgage payments, 
and they're starting and they're starting to become delinquent and filing filings are starting to happen and things like that. Where do you where do you see this going? Well, I, I don't see anything put in place to really stop it or mitigate it. Rolled out, trumpeted by the administration, are really they don't remedy the problem. Uh, aside from the fact that they have problems getting the banks to actually process all these distressed cases because it's voluntary on be, on the part of the banks. Uh, even when they do process the cases, all they're basically doing is giving an additional initial forbearance. So they're basically you know, forgiving fees or tacking them back onto the balance and uh, maybe lowering the interest rate somewhat for a temporary period of time. But only very rarely are they actually lowering the interest rate permanently or and they're almost never giving principal reduction. It's probably the, the key thing needed in terms of affordability because valuations on the properties and the mortgages, therefore, were were pegged way too high. And until that is remedied, uh, people will be stuck in their houses, and they will be uh, they'll have you know, won't be able to refinance. Uh, the affordability is all we own, unless they have ridiculously low interest rates on a permanent basis. Uh, will be stuck in these houses and really not able to afford them. So we're seeing actually in the statistics uh, 50% slightly worse uh, recidivism rate with people going back into delinquency even after this sort of loan workout. Right, so the banks are kicking them while they're down. And just when they start to get up, uh, the banks hit them again. And well, they're, you they're, say they're kicking, kicking them, you know, it's kicking the can down the street a little bit is all it is. And you mentioned uh, interest rates. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's talk that uh, asset, you know, if asset prices begin to rise, uh, the Federal Reserve says that they'll raise interest rates. And one person said, oh, well, that's uh, the, the asset they must be looking at is gold. If gold were to go to 1500 or 2000 an ounce, then that's when the, the Fed would raise interest rates to defend the dollar. But that's really not going to happen, is it? They can't. can't. Yeah, they're stuck. <laughs> they're absolutely trapped. They're trapped on mortgages. They're trapped. You know, they're trapped everywhere. I mean, they say there's a whole complex. This whole the whole system, the whole financial system depends on low and, and interest rates that just get lower and lower. I mean, it's there's there's so many bonds shorted. They can't raise rates. There's so much on on uh, you know federal life support, as it were. That uh, and there's no where else is are the banks earning money? You know, where else are all these financial companies earning money? Um, you know, there's still a severe recession, still consumer retention and spending. So it's not like private sectors are washed with all this money to replace this welfare coming from the Fed and from the government. So they're they're really trapped, and uh, I, I just don't see any way out of it. Now, then they've got the uh, you know, yeah, all the yeah, toxic assets. Yeah, they've got all the toxic assets on the balance sheet of the Fed. They got the FDIC, which is uh, for the funds gone now, and of course they've got that line of credit with the Treasury. So that's why we aren't necessarily going to see bank runs. But all of this uh, weighs on the dollar, and right. so it seems like we're getting closer and closer to uh, this currency crisis that seems to be looming over the horizon, which really overshadows all of this, because that's the largest bubble of them all, is the, is the Federal Reserve note dollar. <laughs> but, uh, like you said, they're trapped. They say, well, how's it going to play out? It's not going to end well. <laughs> Who knows exactly how it'll play out. But it's and I, I hear this well. argument a lot that, uh, you know, the saving graces of the dollar is, is that pretty much uh, the world is filled with garbage fiat currency. And, uh, you know, I think to a great extent that that's why 
uh, the system has limped along as far as it has, as long as it has, but that can only save it for so long, you know, before other other countries get on with their recovery and sane monetary policy, or more sane, I guess I should say. As time goes on, more and more people see their ability, gold and silver and, and uh, you know, other uh, real assets and will, will just kind of leak out of the financial system. That, that creates a feedback effect where it hurts, harms the dollar and, uh, you know, makes it harder for the Fed to do what it wants to do because there's just not a tidal wave of cash waiting on the sidelines to come in and rescue uh, all the banks and these toxic assets. The zombie banks. And now we're seeing uh, the elections in Japan. They're moving to, you know, much more, uh, a much different direction with their government in terms of a little bit more limited in scope. We're also seeing that uh, with the recent elections in Germany, and then they have the ATM machines for gold in Germany. And, and so it seems like the rest of the world is looking for those alternatives, and they, they realize well, I mean, that. I think the real bullish one is is in China, where the, the government has officially encouraged people to go and buy small gold and silver bars, you know, and they've, they've dramatically extended the uh, availability of them at your local branch bank. There's nothing like it in the United States. There hasn't been probably more than half a century. You know, it, there couldn't have been because it was outlawed in 33, so and it wasn't, wasn't re-legalized until, what, 76? Right, and so we've got this Beijing put now on the, on the physical metals to counteract uh, the gold cartel. You know, Alan Greenspan saying the central banks stand ready to lease gold should the price rise. Uh, well, now it seems like people are demanding the physical, and it's putting a lot of stress on that market, and China's just kind of uh, throwing a whole bunch of gasoline onto that fire yeah, <laughs> by getting all of their to buy it. Accepted view amongst the smart money, the real smart money, is becoming that, that central banks have, have been manipulating the precious metals market to suppress the price of gold and, and silver. You know, you can take two perspectives once you realize that. You can either not fight them, or you can see it as an intensely bullish uh, setup in a buying opportunity. <laughs> right. And, uh, and two of us feel yeah, about that. Not just us, but you've got green-white capital switching everything from their GLD ETF uh, into physical bullion. We were just talking about my article on the ETFs before the show about how there might not be actual physical bullion in them. And now we have the, this multi-billion-dollar hedge fund shifting their their billion-dollar position out of the ETF into the physical bullion, and so yeah, it it, it does seem that their that this confidence gain is is evaporating. <laughs> I'll mention also that uh, John Paulson, who is uh, was famous for shorting subprime uh, CDOs early. Um, a lot of people have noted that he's gone into buying some banks, not as well recognizes that he's. Heavy, heavy into gold, uh, mining shares. He's, I think he's the biggest shareholder of Anglo Gold Ashanti now. Big owner of, of, of physical gold, I believe. He probably owns a lot of the ETF. I'm not sure. You know, it's not not as optimal, of course. But he is he is a big uh, owner of, of gold as a base position now. And so when you look at that against the bank shares position, well, to me it's obvious what this is. This is a hedge where the bank shares are call options on. The, um, the the government bailouts. Now, if the government bailouts, to the extent that they're successful, the bank shares will rally, you know, and they have rallied off a very low base. But, you know, the cost of that is likely to be inflation, in which case the gold will be attractive. Or if the if the, uh, the bailouts fail ultimately, well, that means the financial sector is under distress. So again, the gold wins. So, you know, I would just not buy the financial shares, but I guess he gets. 
get some leverage out of that again, treating them as a call option. So I think it's a very shrewd play, actually. Gold is the core of that play. And this is, this is uh, I mean, Paulson, I think, had the highest, uh, highest returns in 2007 and 2008. Right, and, and you also don't necessarily know the other types of positions that he's taking on, uh, on those banks with uh, some of the options to hedge them, you know, Fred. A lot of the smart money, like you said, they're realizing, man, this this thing's just not going to end well. <laughs> what yeah. what is going to be worth something on the other side of the abyss? <laughs> and of course, you turn to the precious monetary metals uh, instead of real estate, for example, because real estate can be burned down in a riot, <laughs> whereas yeah. your physical metal. Uh, well, in, in in real estate, I mean, I think this is an important fact. And real estate became financialized. Became financialized to such an extent that a lot of fictitious value was injected, and that distorted the pricing. So, you, know, you, you had what was supposed to be uh, the the ultimate safe investment. You know, for most regular people, became 30, 50, 100 percent overvalued, and it's been a, a complete and utter disaster. So, say a lot of that due to the insane leverage that you saw coming out of the yeah. investment banks and, and insane and leverage. In I mean that that is the crux of being financialized is when it's that easy to get that kind of leverage and you just have way too much liquidity you know powered by leverage. Can it be put any more uh, clearly than the fact that we had a TV program called Flip This House? You're going in and buying and selling a stock you know the next the next day. I mean it's just it's ridiculous. So I mean they, they houses uh, in real estate became to a large extent not real. Every time someone tells me, "No, oh, real estate's a real asset," you know, it's like, well, unless the value gets inflated too much, <laughs> like no, financially, it's not very real. So you have to look at something that is. I have a friend who's a, a commercial property appraiser, and we were talking about valuations and how you value real estate. And he said, "Oh, well, it's a derivative of of the future earnings from the the property or the land or whatever it is." And to some extent, that's true, uh, but to another extent. Uh, it's not because assumptions that go into uh, figuring that out from a financial engineering standpoint. And so it just comes into your model. Chuckle. He gave a couple of different models, like the discounted cash flow or future cash flow model, and like I'm just kind of chuckling at it and like, man, don't we remember what happened with LTCM? You know, we had some of the brightest minds coming up with models here, and yet the models failed. I think what we're seeing happen, especially with a lot of these mortgage-backed securities and CDOs and, and other loan pools that are uh, beginning to fail, and ones that ordinarily wouldn't have even had a very high probability, they're now slipping uh, further and further towards that. To LTCM, you know, just look at the, what the ratings agencies were doing routinely. The, they were the models were bogus. Their job was to rubber stamp them, not to really put them through the pace. So um, you know, and the banks are being allowed to still do that and to, to mark the model, and it's a, it's a shame, and it's it's really harming the economy, harming the country, leading to a big misallocation of capital. This management of perception economics. You know, if we can manage the perception, then everything will be all right. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, if you're if you're out of shape and overweight, <laughs> you're I mean, you can you can have all the positive thinking you want, but you're not going to run a six-minute mile. <laughs> I think that we're starting to see a little bit more of reality, this illusion that's uh, been kind of pulled over everyone's eyes, and the effects of it have been masked through just this willful denial. Is well, anyone uh, anyone who bought into green shoots, you know, 
believe that the, the share rally has been the confirmation of that. I think they're going to be sorely disappointed again and as shocked as they were when the market crashed last year because, it, you know, the housing woes are back. You know, the real estate woes, commercial and residential, are back, and there are trillions in losses that have yet to be taken. And, and the P&E ratios? Yeah, they're insane. They're absolutely and the, insane. And the dividend payout ratios, dividend to earnings payout ratios, and I mean, all of it is just right at the normal bound. You know, truly, there are no markets anymore, just manipulations. And so uh, Paulson's taking this hedge both on uh, the government bailouts working but also on complete collapse in the sense that he wants uh, the physical metal. It's very interesting to see the world teetering on such a – fine razor razor sharp edge. Yeah, I really have to wonder, you know, how they're gonna try to spin flood of data. It's it's really starting to come in with the foreclosure stats and the latest uh you know, home sales and home price stats are they're really starting to, to deflate after the uh, new home new uh, first time home buyer tax credit and you know, that that's mostly passed. Pretty much they already have had a contract going at this point and you know, would have had to uh order your new home months ago if you're going that route. You know, the fumes are, we're running out of the fumes that the market has been running on for the last year. Okay, well, I think we've had a good uh, a good interview. Thank you for coming on. And you've been listening to the RunToGold.com podcast with our special guest, Aaron Crown from MLImplode.com. This is John Rubino from DollarCollapse.com, and you're listening to Run to Gold.